Every video I see on my country, I got power now, I gotta say something. Corrupt the police, been the problem where I'm from, but I'd be lying if I said it was all of them. I ain't do this for the trend, I don't follow them. Altercation with the law, had a lot of them. People speaking for the people, I'm proud of them. Stick together, we can get it up out of them. I can't lie like I don't rap about killing and dope, but I'm telling my youngers to vote. I deal with I diggers, I didn't have no choice and no hope. I was forced to just jump in and go. This bullshit is all that we know, but it's time for a change. Got time to be serious, no time for no gang. We ain't taking no more, let us go for them chains. God bless they soul, every one of them names. It's bigger than black and white. It's a problem with the whole way of life. Can't change overnight. But we gotta start somewhere. Might as well go ahead and start here. We didn't have a hell of a year. I'ma make it count why I'm here. God is the only man I fear. What up though? This is episode 230 of the iHeart Miko podcast. Of course, I'm Miko Grimes. Um, as many of you know, uh, this is a sports podcast, but I never stick to sports. I'm always merging into different lanes, and today is a perfect example of that. Today we will have independent presidential candidate Jade Simmons joining the podcast. Jade, thank you so much for joining me. Miko, thank you for having me. Thank you for shaking up a little bit and bringing me on your sports show. I love sports. You got to talk sports too. For sure. Now, I have to say, up until August 25th, I didn't know who you were. I didn't even know there was an independent running until uh, one of my supporters named Scale God tag me on one of your posts because I'm constantly um, on my page saying that I don't want to vote for either of the presidential wow. nominees and I, I was going to skip out of voting for that particular one and, and I'm being told constantly to, by everyone you have to choose one you have to choose one and I didn't believe that but Scale God told me to take a look at your page and I said to myself wow like I really would love to hear more about her so me you know being <laughs> Being the person I am, I reached out to you, yeah. and I didn't think you would respond and say yes, but you did. Of course. Of I course. I couldn't believe it. Why did you say yes? Like, honestly. Listen, as an independent presidential candidate, there's a reason you haven't heard about me until August. I've been running since January. But as you know, and as you have been disgusted by, our pol political system is dominated, held hostage by two political parties. I don't know how you could have a country as diverse as our nation and think that you could squeeze all of us on the two sides. And so we've seen tremendous blockout, literal blockout from the media, from the mainstream media. Um, you name it, all the big name people you and I both know, they know I'm here. Uh, many of the black media outlets they all know i'm here they've known way longer than you miko that i've been here and have decided not to cover my voice and so let me just start by thanking you for two reasons first for daring uh to to feature me and to make space for my voice if you haven't got any hate already you might get some a little later so just um, brace yourself <laughs> i know you're ready for it i know i know and number two you said you did something that we encourage everybody to do you checked it out you did your research you looked you know with this culture of fear right now it's like people are so afraid to even look outside of the two boxes that we've been locked in for the last way too many years. So thank you for doing your due diligence and for making room for me. Of course, I would say yes. Of course, well, I'd say yes. I'm just happy you did. Like I, 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 like I told you before, I've got some family stuff going on. And this is the break that I need. And we're so mm. close to the election. And so I feel like your voice should be heard. Like it doesn't matter. Everyone's voice should be heard. Whoever's right. running should have a platform and an opportunity to, to let everyone know that there's another choice. But before we move forward, as I didn't know who you were, please 
Yeah. Introduce yourself to all of my sports fans. Of course, of course. Uh, my name is Jade Simmons, and I am your one and only serious, truly serious independent candidate for president of the United States. I've been running officially since January. I didn't make an announcement until February, which is after we filed our paperwork with the FEC, because I thought the media would never cover you if you hadn't filed your paperwork. We saw that was not always the case. Uh, but we've been serious out here uh, making sure that we present policies and proposals that don't just sound good, but actually come from everyday American people living everyday American lives. You can learn more about the policies and proposals at Operation Restoration 2020.com. Um, what your listeners are hearing uh, really is the voice of a woman who is trying to do uh, what her father has raised her to do. My father is a civil rights activist. We're from Charleston, South Carolina. Originally, my mother has worked in higher education. And the way they raised me was that when you see a void, you must ask yourself, are you supposed to fill it in some way? So what people are hearing, they're hearing the voice of someone who is trying to do what her parents raised her to do, which was if you see a void, if you see there's a voice missing from the conversation, if you see injustice. My father's a civil rights activist. We're from Charleston, South Carolina. We were raised that when you see things going wrong, why would you stay silent? And if you believe there's a solution that you can offer, why wouldn't you consider yourself for the same things that you're complaining about. I heard my, I got tired of hearing myself, Miko, say, why won't somebody say this? How can they be doing that? Why are they allowing this to happen? Why won't somebody expose this? Why won't somebody do something about that? When you hear yourself saying that over and over and over, you have to eventually look in the mirror and ask yourself, could this possibly be a moment for you to lean into powerfully? And I can guarantee you when it is an uncomfortable yes, that's when you're supposed to leap in. That's what, And so that's that's how I got here. Okay. So can you tell, like I, I did a little bit of research on, like, on you and I found out you were a pianist, like a, a serious pianist. <laughs> you have albums. I heard you are an artist. Mm -hmm. You're an author of a book called The Audacious Prayers for World Change. Um, you're a thespian. You're a pageant girl. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, you know, you've got a lot going on, a lot of things going on here. I think what you're really calling out, there's been a theme of reinvention in my life and also a theme of daring to utilize all of your God given talent. So I made my initial career as a classical concert pianist. All of my schooling was in music and I I'm privileged to have lived that dream, played in some incredible concert halls with amazing orchestras, recitals all over the world. And one of the things that I started doing to distinguish myself in my concert career was I began to speak to the audience in between the music. That opened up an entirely different career as a professional speaker. And now I'm brought in with the piano to speak to some of the world's um, most influential companies and corporations to help them usually through tremendous periods of change, to help them transform the leadership culture, uh, to help them really use diversity to its highest level of potential. And so I'm honored to be one of the top keynote speakers of 2019 and 2020. And so when you look at what a president has to do, one of their number one roles is to be head of state. You need a stellar communicator now in this era, 
in the George Floyd era and the COVID era who can now communicate us through these tough times. I'm not just talking about words here. I'm talking about actually hearing what's really being needed, what's really being said, not dismissing the powerful reforms that need to happen, but also doing that in a way that doesn't instigate more fear. I think we currently see a president who instigates us through these hard periods, and I feel like the other candidate that we have as an option has gone silent, has not been the powerful voice we need to usher us into a paradigm shifting era. You know, and so I'm proud to be able to offer myself up as a non-politician, but as a world-class communicator. Also, when you look at what the president does, they have to be commander in chief. They have to make serious decisions that put our people's lives in danger, that puts our military to task, and also uh, could possibly, will possibly, um, have great consequence in the nations that we are doing business with or doing war with. Mm -hmm. And so you want to know that your commander in chief is not making decisions based on what makes the best headline that will help with reelection. If yeah. we're putting our military service members in harm's way, they must know that they are there to fulfill a mission that is not only uh, intentional, but is necessary for that moment. And I believe we've made some slips on the world stage that we're going to have to rectify. And you need to know you have a decision maker who prioritizes people over profit, politics, and personal agenda every single time. Yes, well, you know, as I know, and a lot of people know, and I'm sure you've heard this a lot, that you don't have any um, experience in the field. And we're going to get into some of the ways that, you know, other experiences in your life can attribute to you running for president. But before we get into the thick of everything, I wanted to bring up someone who I admire and have done a little bit of research on, Shirley Chisholm who was our first elected Congresswoman, but also the first black woman to run for president under yeah. a major party. Um, what would it mean to you if you were elected as the very first, not only female president, but black female president? You know, Miko, I think you're the second person to ask that specifically. And the first time I was asked that it shocked me that I hadn't even had time <laughs> to actually consider the historical implications of what I was doing. I am not running to be the first mm -hmm. black female president. I'm running to be the servant leader necessary for our, our society right now. But let's put into context what you just said. I happened to watch the one of the Shirley Chisholm documentaries over the summer and I love that she said, she described herself as being unbought and unbossed. And that's exactly how I'm running this campaign. But here's what she wasn't. She wasn't unfettered. Mm -hmm. And the irony is she was fettered by her own party. Yes. The party that was supposed to be the party of the people, the party of diversity, the party of, of inclusion. And it was her own party that kept her out. And if we get real deep into it, her own people yes. had a role to play in how that door was shut. And I am experiencing very similar experiences. I'm glad I did watch her documentary, but I'll tell you, I'm inspired by the audacity that she had. Um, I saw a clip where she was talking about, people were saying, why would you run? You don't have the experience. And this was coming from a Congresswoman, right? You know, you don't have the experience. And she said, you know, the very men 
that you are lifting up over me. I've written their speeches. I've been their ghostwriters. And when you look at the role of black women in American society, we have always been present. And we have always been crucial and we have always been pivotal and we have always been in the background. I mean, you think about it from the very, the early days of birthing camps, we were there populating people's plantations for their economic benefit. Breastfeeding their children. Breastfeeding their their children, which is so weird to me because I can't imagine allowing anybody else to breastfeed my children. But even back then, if you're looking at a race as inferior to you, Mm-hmm. Something in you was saying, ah, I don't know, there's something in that DNA yeah. <laughs> that we Magical. need to transfer. There's something in there, right? Yeah. But you look at even the um, civil rights movement, but before that, the women's, the women's suffrage movement, which really had supremacist, white supremacist roots, uh, you know, and well, there we were cheering everyone on, right? And, and so we have that. We have that um, tendency. We have that ability. The major corporations that I speak in, you'll find a black woman there. She's often somewhere around the top, but never quite at the top. She's often supporting, and you will hear things said about her um, at her retirement party that goes something like, we don't know what we would have done without her. Everything you see here is still standing because of this black woman. And so it's, it's funny, this is really only the second time I've got to really think about it as a black woman. Uh, but the trials that I've been facing, Miko, have not come from um, the places you would think. You know, people would say, you're gonna experience so much racism. How are you gonna make it as a black woman with all of this, you know, white supremacy and the white man? Those haven't even been my issues. I know we'll get into that later, but those yeah. haven't even been the major issues. But I'll end by saying I would be honored to do and accomplish what Shirley Chisholm started. Um, She went into that knowing, uh, even though she intended to really run and to really be a contender, she knew what the odds were. Speaking of her being in the Democratic Party and being shunned by her own people and and, and almost making it appear that it's impossible for you to win. And you being an independent, that is also seen as impossible, especially with things like the memorandum agreement. How, mm-hmm. how is it that this country is allowing third party and independents not on the debate stage and it's legal yeah. and it's okay? And, and how do yeah. you feel about knowing that you can't even get your issues off with the main candidate? You know, uh, we have, we literally had a meeting yesterday about how we are going to disrupt that system. You better believe we're not going to sit back and take that. Now, legally, you're right. People need to know. American citizens need to know that there is a great display and show made of democracy, but that behind the scenes, there are many manipulations going on to stop it at all costs. Democracy only flourishes in an abundance of choices. We literally went over to Europe, taught them how to have elections and told them, you must have multiple options on your ballot. And then we don't do the same. But people don't know that Republicans and Democrats literally have a signed legally binding agreement to block third party and independent candidates from getting on the debate stage. They have a book of our faces at the doors. If I show up at the debate, don't let her in. There's a strong chance, right? Do not let her in. Jill Stein, four years ago, ended up getting arrested for coming to the debates, was literally shackled to a chair so that she could not disrupt. There is something wrong with that. 
uh, and that has existed for quite some time now. How do we compete? Well, this is the age, I believe, of disruption. I believe COVID-19, George Floyd, those are our signs that we are not to ever do the same thing ever again. If we need, I don't know how many more clues we need <laughs> that business as usual is not going to carry the day. And so we have our own ways there, but let me let people know, we are still viable. We have to go after the same 270 electoral votes. The electoral college is a bit of a mystery to people. They assume that as a write-in candidate, I'll be on the ballot in some states, I'll mostly be a write-in, registered write-in, that's a very important distinction and many of the other states, I can still win electors. So we literally go state to state and line up our own electors. So the independent candidate gets to invite individuals to be in the electoral college. The same way that the Democratic Party, Republican Party do, except we do it differently. We don't give our electoral spots to our wealthiest donors, to celebrities and so-called VIPs. We have everyday people serving in the Electoral College. If we have policy for educators, we have educators who helped us make that policy. I started following you August 25th. I remember the day. Oh, you've been doing your research. But yeah, I, I love but it. But I did learn from you about how you are getting your electoral votes. And I thought that was genius. I oh. thought it was incredible. I said to myself, I could be one. You yes, know? you could. Like, yes. Wow. Let's talk. Let's talk after. Yeah. And so yeah. one of the questions I want to ask you is I see that you don't agree with the two-party um, system. Do you? Can you name a country that you think their, their <laughs> government or their political policies we should indoctrinate or we should kind of mirror? Is there any country that you feel we should take notes from? You know, it's funny. Almost every European nation has oh. multiple uh, candidates on the ballot. And get this, people freak out. You're coming in too late. Eight months is not long enough. We need to see you for two years. That's an American creation. Yeah. Uh, when you look at the same election cycles in these European countries, four to six months, four to five candidates in and out because people are smarter than we give them credit for. Mm -hmm. Look at how quickly we adapted as individuals. I want to give into the government, but how, during COVID-19, as individuals, we did what we had to do. We figured it out quickly. We decided how we were going to keep our families safe. We made those decisions in less than a week. We're going to get into some of the things that you just talked about, but before we, before we get into that, I wanted to give you an opportunity to speak to the people about your campaign slogan, which is yeah. Operation Restoration. So please yeah. tell everyone what that means and why you chose it as a slogan. Yeah, restore and soar. The word on my heart for the last years has been restoration. We have to actually now push through paradigm shifts that are going to serve more Americans than ever before. I am African-American but I will be a president all, but I also will unapologetically be a champion for the underserved. And you better believe African-Americans rank at the top of that list. The most common question is, what, like you said, why would you run now with little experience? Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you start at governor, at, you know, at the Senate, Congress, some yeah. other places and get experience? Mm -hmm. Why would you take split the vote, why would you let Trump win? What is your answer mm. to people that ask those questions? Okay, first of all, I validate people's concerns. You should be concerned after what we've seen about somebody coming in with no experience, but I think you have to ask yourself, what was the experience in? But here's the catch, the president ran on having uh, no political 
experience. He thought that was a good thing, but it wasn't actually the truth. He has financed politicians for many years on both sides of the aisle based on what would benefit him and his business. And so I would say, if you want to know how a leader will lead, Look at how they. So he actually gave us proof of how he would govern. He will always prioritize corporations, even though he speaks in a very populist language. I don't know what it's like to be politically lopsided and decide that I'm only going to serve one group of people or serve my base. I don't know what it's like to look at the nation as red states and blue states. I only know how to serve people. My history as a minister, as an author, as a coach, as a teacher, as an educator, as a communicator as a transformation architect has always been to find what people's potential is as an individual and help them rediscover purpose, gifts, and talents for the greater good of not just themselves, bigger impact. What more does our country need right now than to rediscover who we are supposed to be, to reach deep, find our own gifts, skills, talents again, and reemploy ourselves to become who we've said we've always been? And an artist, nobody better than an artist, to provide creative, collaborations for the box. Uh, we're, we're singing out of tune right now <laughs> as a nation. So we're I believe beat. that there's, there's yeah, we off beat. That, come on, there it is. We off beat. We singing out of tune. You know, we're, we're not in harmony with each other. It's, it's about getting reelected for most people. And for me, I am not Democrat or Republican. I don't believe... Um, either of those parties represents my people. Um, people mm. are always saying, well, you're black, you have to vote for a Democrat. But in my opinion, a Democrat hasn't done a single thing for people that look like me, and that includes mm. Barack Obama. So, but one thing that I mm. do know that I've been hearing a lot from people is, what is, the, what is your black agenda? And do you, do you have yeah, a yeah. black agenda? And do you believe every presidential candidate needs a black agenda? I think whether we admit it or not, every president who has life has an agenda that ends up being a white agenda. Mm. And that's because of the way that our nation um, is constructed. Someone gave me an, an incredible, I heard an incredible metaphor. And they said, imagine if the nation was built by all right-handed people. Well, everything would be to the benefit of people who use their right hand as their dominant hand. And if, if you've ever been a kid in school and your left desk aren't built for you to turn your arm all funny right um you know uh, different appliances we use are built with right-handed people in mind and you can even argue that the people building these things weren't thinking about excluding left-handed people but they were excluded nonetheless mm -hmm. so i do have something called breakthrough for black america i should say i also have a whole line of policy called shades of breakthrough so you'll also see breakthrough for native americans You'll also see breakthrough for small business owners, breakthrough for young people in Gen Z, because these are groups that are underserved. And so I don't think we have to apologize for now systemically going back and systematically serving these groups. Uh, OperationRestoration2020.com, if you go there, you'll see these plans. I talk about we have to have three major areas of breakthrough for Black America. Uh, the focus right now is police brutality and law enforcement, criminal justice reform. That is crucial. But if you fix all of that, 
And we're still going to the same broken down schools with the same underpaid teachers in the same uh, broken down neighborhoods, then you haven't even solved a third. You've only solved a third of the problem. And you also have to have economic reform as well. So I talk about something that I liken to a black uh, Marshall Plan, a new Marshall Plan. We went all the way to Europe, invested billions of dollars to help them repair after the damage of the war. Yet here we have damage from systemic injustice that we haven't helped our own Americans recover from. So you'll see policies there that are specific to black Americans. But here's the wonderful thing. When you serve underserved groups, everybody wins. But yeah. you have to be specific about it. So we have plans that when you invest in the black community, in black businesses, in black home ownership, when you reform welfare, see, see Blue won't let you say this. Blue side won't let you say that welfare needs to reform, be reformed so that fathers can participate. Poor white people and poor black people would see how much they actually had in common. Yes. That right now the president in power talks a good game, but he's not serving a majority of his base. Yes. You know, when he, when he goes against environmental protections, you know, we got people in Kentucky dying of black lung disease right there in those coal factories, and they voted him in office. You've got farmers who are martyrs in this administration, but they voted him into office. You have people saying, we hate Obamacare, not knowing it was the same thing as the Affordable Care Act. Yes. Getting yes. off of the health care they needed because it had the word Obama attached to it. Yeah. That's not serving people. That's manipulating people for your own good as a leader. We've seen it on both sides and I believe Americans are tired enough of it to finally do something different or they'll do what you do and say, you know what, I'm just not playing anymore. If you were not on the ticket, who would you vote for? I would be having a really rough time. 2016 was very difficult for me. Me as well. Um, I, it was very difficult for me. I think what I would probably be thinking about doing is what everybody is saying on the left, right? Which is, well, we got to just get him out of there. But I have to be honest. Um, I don't know if I should admit this as a presidential candidate. This would be a hard year for me to show up at the polls because yeah. I am upset that candidates, that the Republican Party and the Democrats are not losing sleep over the fact that I'm losing sleep over going to the polls. It bothers me that it doesn't bother them that I feel every time just about that I'm having a vote between the lesser of two evils. My husband and I have been had been struggling and we watched this field begin to uh, winnow down and people, you know, there are no coincidences here. The week that we and now it was hilarious. We were backstage preparing to be able to debate with like Elizabeth Warren's that lady's sharp, right? Sharp, yeah. um, and I, so I was getting ready for her because I thought, well, she's the smartest person on the stage, so she'll likely she should be the logical. I yeah, okay? and I and and that's 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 not what the, even me agreeing with all. I just thought, you know, if I'm looking at what the lineup is, she's got her act together. Yet you watched her, Kamala, Amy, Andrew, Bernie. I mean, if, if <laughs> I listen, that's a whole other show. They all lost. I watch him. They all lost. And, and Bernie's not a candidate that I would have felt comfortable voting for either. Yet what I was really uncomfortable with was as I watched the left parade themselves as the party of the people and the party of diversity, 
all in one fell swoop, they all stepped down at the same time. Kamala got out in November because why? She had no Democratic Party support, no funding, no black support, no female support. Now suddenly she lines up behind the older white guy and we got your back. Win with black women. Yeah. Like what? I, I'm black. I, you could have won with me like since yeah. January. Hashtag. No. no. Yeah. You know, black girl magic. I, I don't want to see no more snaps. I don't want to hear it anymore. I'm Miko, a, the hypocrisy that we I'm have annoyed. seen. Yeah. Listen. Yeah. Um, so I would I would have I struggled. I would have struggled for sure. Well, let me ask you this, because your campaign is very religious based. Um, God. Yeah first is is heavy in your speech yeah. i am not a religious person how do you plan to be relatable to people like me or people that aren't christian that have, follow a different faith how, how do you plan to get us all in to help you if we're not of your faith so when you went to operation restoration or as you have watched me speak how have you felt about what i've been saying about faith how does it make you feel personally oh you sound like my entire family you know my Mm -hmm. family is extremely religious i was raised in a very religious home Mm -hmm. and um it is just my own personal um research and experience in religion that has caused me to i'm not an atheist i do believe in god but i pray to the sun and Mm -hmm. um so sometimes religious people scare me off Mm -hmm. and that I'm sure you've heard that in your campaign as well. Yeah. And so I'm just curious how you plan to get those people. Like, like for me, religion doesn't scare me off. Mm-hmm. I'm just speaking for people that it does. But yeah. how do you plan to get them to support you when your campaign is so heavily religious based? I honor that word that you use religious. Mm-hmm. It's not a favorite word of mine. Because when I hear that word, what I instantly perceive it to be is what has been manipulated and squandered by man so most people when they tell me they have an you know an issue or they're uncomfortable with religion once we get talking i find out their issue actually isn't with god it's with the people who claim to believe in him the reason i run openly with my faith out front is not because i'm trying to turn the whole country christian i'm trying to proselytize Uh, You can even see in my policy uh, that there are a lot of Christians who take issue with the way that I've uh, made some of my stances and the way that I talk about my stances. I believe that it's important for me to be open so that when someone like Miko comes along and has her own feelings, her own experiences, positive or negative, has been raised in a certain way, that you can instantly look at me and decide yourself, does this look like the bad stuff I've seen in religion? And then if it doesn't, you're able to, you know it out front. What I don't want is for me to be closed about my faith. You don't know. You start liking me. Like, I like her policy for black America. I like her health care. Then you do your digging and you go, oh, wait a minute. She's a minister. Hold on a minute here. Wait a minute. She's talking about God in this video. And then you have to wonder, where does her, first, her faith come into play here? We have been so open, so upfront, supposed to be political suicide to mention your faith. We've been upfront because I'll tell you, I cannot stand the way that I'm watching my faith be hide on the right. I don't resonate with how uh, other Christians are lining up behind the current president. The rhetoric that is being used that you can God bless America and love 
of America and make America great, but then racism is okay. George Floyd is okay. My faith literally determines, helps me determine how to treat people. And every example I've seen from the Christ that I follow tells me that I'm supposed to honor people um, at all costs. And that doesn't mean that I can't stand my ground and have convictions, but that as I create law and policy, I have to find out what's the best way to serve, honor, love, and protect people. And so when you see our policy, people are resonating with that in spite of whether or not they believe in the same God that I do or believe at all. And they're seeing someone who's not waving around a Bible upside down, Mm -hmm. but who's actually standing on principles that inform her life and they inform me powerfully. Uh, And so I'm excited to see that people are having a new encounter with faith because of how we are leading with it. That's a good answer. I like that. Um, many of the mar- <laughs> it's the truth. I promise it's like the that. truth. <laughs> many of the marginalized communities need your help to dismantle powerful institutions. As you may know, that our judicial system is it's not good. Prison industry, industrial complex, redlining is a big yeah. thing. How will you use your leadership to dismantle some of these negative systems? You know, I think one of the big deterrents to being able to do that is because we instantly politicize them. We always make them us against them. Mm -hmm. When really the goal is how do we become one nation? How do we become one judicial system that penalizes everybody the same, Mm -hmm. that is lenient to all the same people, that has proportionate consequences that meet the crime and that we don't see that black and brown people you know, get 20 years for some minor offense, and then other people get off with a slap on the wrist for something like murder, Right. you know, uh, rape, corruption. And so we have to now do the things that allow us to have one system, one criminal justice system, one healthcare system. You know, even as we create, uh, look to create more healthcare for more people, to have more access, one of the things I'm keeping my eyes on is that as we make healthcare more affordable and more accessible and free for many, that the people who are getting the free, inexpensive care aren't actually getting lesser care. That's very important mm-hmm. to me. Uh, and so to me, it's about what do we have to do to create one system? And so many of the policies and proposals uh, that I put forth do what I call an equalizing, a stabilizing, so that we all have access to opportunity. We all know the president isn't going to change uh, most of what's happening in your daily life overnight. But I believe the president sets the tone, the atmosphere, so that people, especially at the bottom of the socioeconomic stratosphere, have the atmosphere in which to be able to pursue progress. So I think there are certain things you do specifically for certain people groups as well. And then I think there are other things that you have to equalize. Our economy, it's not equalized. It's soaring right now. You know, stock market looks good for a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, see, so listen, but that's not the case for everybody. Yeah, it's not. It's not the case. And what we do is we will then, the report will say the economy is good. And that's not true. When you got 38 million people, right, living below the poverty line, when you when you work for Walmart and you live below the poverty line, but your CEO makes a thousand and sixty sometimes more than you, there's a problem with that. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, again, it's that equalization. How do we begin now um, to make things equal, to make access equal and to make opportunity available to more people? Okay. 
Um, you spoke about, you know, the, the Walmart employee making a certain amount. And I, and I checked out some things on your page and you talked about how we have five states that don't have a minimum wage law and the minimum wage, the federal minimum wage is $7 and 25 cents. Yeah. Can the president change that? Or is that someone else's responsibility? Well, you know, Congress supposedly has been working on this and it goes, it needs to be stated that we have had a Democratic president and a Republican president and we have not seen that passed. Now, we saw the stimulus package get passed in a week. Week. In a week. But for some reason- We can't raise the minimum wage. So you have to always ask what's really going on. So that stimulus package was pushed through. I was naively a little bit hopeful that maybe they're gonna continue to work together and this is gonna be great. But then we saw the corruption right off the bat. I'm a small business owner. We did not see that stimulus money when they said we would see it. It's because of all these loopholes. Now you mean to tell me 400 plus representatives, congressmen and women, nobody caught the the loophole? Nobody saw it. So if nobody caught it, right, that must mean that they're all in on it to some degree, right? We all, they all have the donors that, you know, listen, a little loophole in there, but take advantage before we figure it out. That's happening on both sides. That was very, should have been very eye-opening. And that means minimum wage could be passed just like that. We're in Texas and I was appalled to find out, you know, we're in a state that does 725. The minimum wage in my company is $18. So it's like, you know, we believe, even as a small business, that you must prioritize your people. And that if you treat your people well, you know, you're building your American dream, which I've been able to do. So you're building your dream on the backs of American workers. How do they not share in the glory of that? When, when COVID hit, I took the first pay cut and my pay cut was a greater percentage than my workers. That, and, and that to me is prioritizing people. Yeah. That, that's, how you, that's how you lead. And, you don't, and profit, I understand, is important. Uh, to answer your question very um, simply in terms of minimum wage, one of the big fears about raising minimum wage is that it puts a strain on small business owners because it'll be hardest for them to pay their workers. I say, I understand that, but again, I told you what we do here. I believe we balance that by then prioritizing small businesses for government contracts, for tax breaks. Small businesses are taxed worse than big corporations. I can tell you my tax bill this year, whoo, I mean, I my tax bill was more than what I made my first couple years in business this year. And I know there are corporations that are getting off pretty close to scot-free. So there's a lot we can do to ease uh, the weight on small businesses so that they can serve their employees more powerfully. There, there's a lot of things in this country that I feel um, are intentional in, in, in the aspect of making sure that we don't survive to keep the lower class mm. low, keep the middle class even middle to low. But one of the most embarrassing things that I have found um, that our country is supporting is um, during the protests for George Floyd and many other people, I took my son, I was in Los Angeles, I live in Los Angeles in the summer, and I took my son to a protest for um, LA Unified School District. The teachers had a protest to to help um, raise the money for teachers, um, to raise money for um, just supplies, overall, just education in general. And so my son and I made signs to carry. And so I helped him make a sign that said that um, 
Um, the schools have a certain amount of police, but there's no nurses, there's no social workers, there's no psychologists, there's no therapists. But the police, they have four or five police officers in the school. They have tanks, they have ARs, they have drones that spray mace and pepper spray in case of a riot of some kind. Yet we don't have these very important um, people to assist in our children. There are lots of schools in um, minority communities that don't even have enough books. If our country doesn't care about our children, how can we have hope that we care about society in general? Yeah. What you're seeing is an imbalance in priorities. That's why we keep saying, what does your next leader need to prioritize? It must be people every single time. People will say, do we reopen or not? Because it's the economy or it's health. No, no, no. That's a false equivalency. There, you must do both. Yes. <laughs> and I, I would argue, um, and, and May, if I, if I were in office right now, you, you might be upset with me because I would have said we stay shut down for at least two months longer than we did so that we had already stored up our testing and tracing system. We did not. We fumbled that. And my prediction was that by the end of the summer, we'd be in the middle of a resurgence, and then we'd eventually have to shut down again, which would be harder uh, to be able to control and would create more economic strain. And that's exactly what we're starting to see now. I hate that we're rushing our kids back to school Mm -hmm. without equipping our teachers to be able to, first of all, they were already drowning. Every teacher will say, I am not only a teacher, I am the social worker, I am psychological services, I pay for some of the lunch. I, those shoes that kids have, those, that kid has on, I bought them. Yeah, you know, and the school supplies and the backpacks. And, you know, I, I'm aware of a teacher in Charleston, South Carolina, that's working three extra jobs to make ends meet. You know, nowhere in the country right now can a single mother of two afford a two-bedroom apartment if she makes minimum wage. So when we talk about serving children, a part of that is also how we serve their parents. So we're excited about ushering in an era where we have parental empowerment. If you wanna see a revolution in the school systems, it will have to come from parents and teachers, Mm -hmm. always. I loved that all of a sudden, we didn't even talk about standardized testing. You notice that over Uh COVID-19, we threw that right out the window. I'm happy, I was happy about it too. But before that, that right, it was a big thing. So that told us once again, oh, okay, so all that money we're putting into testing, we could actually pay teachers more. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned the scenes that you were describing of uh, over-policing in our schools. Mm -hmm. We have to think about the psychological effect that it has, especially on uh, kids in communities of color, black and brown kids. There's a perception that they are now adopting that we need this kind (laughs) of policing we must be bad we must we yeah we what what is this so we talk a lot about in our uh, plans for black america education reform that includes the way we do our juvenile justice system that we're right now fueling a school to prison pipeline you know uh and that that has to be reversed i will tell you as a mother of a child who needs certain accommodations in school we had to take him out of the school he was in because the route that he was on, he was gonna get referrals instead of a diagnosis. Mm. So we have lopsidedness here right now. Certain kids get a diagnosis, other kids get referrals, and they're looked at as disciplinary issues. Uh, but then to get my uh, child what they needed, we're paying close to a mortgage in yep. what he, what, for him to go to school. Not everybody can do that. Yeah. 
Especially and they shouldn't have to. Uh, so we're excited. We have we have breakthrough for children. I don't know any other candidate who's talking about that. And that will talk about uh, the plan to get our kids back to school safely. Um, our kids are still home. Their school is open. Mama's homeschooling in the middle of the presidential campaign. Okay. So, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, so, so he, so, you know, they could go to school, but we've chosen, we don't believe it's safe. The research has not been satisfactory for us. And I also think about the psychological damage. If you go to school on Friday and your teacher has passed away by Monday, your classmate has passed away, you know, so you're right. If, if we're not taking care of our kids, what it means is our priorities are out of whack. Um, and we're willing to sacrifice them in, in a lot more ways than one. And so uh, a large part of what we want to do is remind people of the, of the preciousness of childhood. It's one of the reasons that I am so passionate about life, because I wonder how many solutions, how many leaders have we lost, yeah. you know, as, as we've even lost the unborn. For me, it's, it's not about wanting to control a woman. It's saying these are our most valuable resources in the same way that we might cry over George Floyd, we should cry over families dying at the border. We should cry over the unborn and be able to help families, help women be able um, to have life and have it more abundantly in all of its forms. What is a bigger issue facing our country, coronavirus or child trafficking? You said child trafficking specifically on purpose, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, I did. I kind of feel like we're in the business right now of sacrificing people across the board. And so when I look at human trafficking, sex trafficking, and child trafficking, and the fact that we're not losing sleep about these issues, that's a problem. But Miko, we're also not, we didn't lose any sleep when we lost all those seniors at the beginning of COVID. I heard one uh, governor or senator say something like, you know, grandparents want to sacrifice themselves for a better economy. My mom was like, uh, speak for yourself. I love my grandkids and all, but speak for yourself. I think we have a systemic heart issue in this country that allows us not to really bat an eyelash when kids are being trafficked, uh, when women are being trafficked. Oh, well, you know, it's those women, right? Mm-hmm. Well, whose kids are that? There's, there's, there's something wrong with the fact that you, you know, have a big national alert when one child goes missing and then you right. might have black and brown kids who go missing and don't right. even make the news, right? We have a systemic heart issue in this nation. So we talk about restoration. That is the first thing that we must repair. Um, it's a long-standing issue in terms of trafficking in general uh, and around child trafficking, but in general, this nation should be the leading nation in the world for prosecuting traffickers. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons that isn't is because a lot of this trafficking is also swept under the rug and turned a blind eye to within our corporations, within our corporate structure. So this is a season of reckoning, and I think people are going to have to give up profit now to reprioritize children, give up profit um, in order to have the liberty you want. Today's 9-11. We've always been told to never forget. Um, When you speak to people about slavery, a lot of people say, Mm. get over it. I happen to have the opinion that 9-11 was not a terrorist attack. I'm not gonna, I'm not asking you your opinion on that. I believe that was mm-hmm. genocide. I believe that we have a problem with white nationalism. How are you planning to deal with the national terrorism and the genocide 
that is taking place in this country by white nationalists? I think you just used the word. We have to now classify terrorism for what it is in all of its forms. Um, you know, talk about my father, he protests every Sunday against the KKK uh, and these Confederate flag groups that gather on the battery in Charleston, South Carolina. And he was told by a government official, well, you know, they have the right, just like you, to protest and to stand their ground and beat their rights. And my father says, but the groups I'm in, we didn't lynch anybody. We didn't kill anybody name of supremacy yet you're giving them equal status <laughs> to these groups that are fighting for this and you wouldn't see something like an armad arbory case go down and that not be classified as a hate crime that state doesn't have hate crime laws on the books mm -hmm. you know we have to now be blatant about calling a thing a thing you know the, the word of god good little religion here says that we would get into an era where we'll be calling good things evil and evil things good and i think we're here I think we're here to hide behind um, religion, to hide behind patriotism uh, in, in the name of violence and terrorism. It's not okay on any side. And I think we're in a dangerous period where you can have um, a black person gunned down. And let's say he was a criminal. Let's say he committed all the crimes, yeah. right? But never make it to court. To be, uh, to be what innocent until proven guilty. And then you can have a Dylan Roof in my hometown of Charleston do what he did, Mother Emanuel. Don't get arrested right away. He has time to go and get a burger. You can have this guy in uh, Wisconsin do what he did. Yeah. You know, get all the way back home. They live in. to have trial. And, and also, do you understand the funding that is going his way? He's being called a patriot. Yes. He's being called a patriot. The president himself um, has labeled him as such. That's a backward society, and that's the stuff that must stop. And my fear is, and I don't use that word very often, my fear, my concern is that if we do politics as usual, I don't care if you elect, reelect red or you elect blue, we're still going to have some form of business as usual because it's not profitable to do things differently, to call things out because your donor might be attached to the thing you're calling out. Mm -hmm. The corporation might be attached to the thing you're calling out. The reelection might be attached. So you have to have someone who's coming in there with no personal agenda, that's me, um, who has nothing really personally to gain. I've lost a lot just even announcing I was running for president. Miko, I got cousins who still riding with Biden. You hear me? I have, I have listen, I've got people I worship next to in my church who have heard me preach who I have prayed over, have declared a good thing over their life, and they'll say, man, that woman there, she is a woman of God. But out here doing this, crickets. Do you hear me? So this is the season we must lean into something hard and powerful in order to do what is right, and we can't wait on man to give us permission to do it. Uh, lastly, I'll say all those people who will pressure you to say, you've got to vote because people died for your right to vote. Let me tell you what they died for. I'll tell you what they didn't die. They did not die for us to be in bondage yet again mm -hmm. to a system that doesn't serve us. They died for us to be able to have the guts to stand up when we see something is not right, to disrupt a system 
dismantle a system to call a thing out. That's why they died. And they expect you, John Lewis and all the ilk, they expect you to get into some good trouble, as he would say, to do what you believe is right. And it may not look like what everybody else mm-hmm. thinks is the right thing to do, but you've got to do what your heart tells you. Um, I hope that people will hear our heart, hear our message, uh, and believe that it's a vision that they can resonate with and believe in as well. Okay. I know you have to go, so I'm going to say thank you, and we're going to end it here, but I do have one more thing that I want to say. First of all, I want to thank all of my friends and followers who submitted questions to ask you, because of course, I have all of my own questions, but this isn't just about me. This is about people that are following me and people that are supporting me, and I want everyone to know that this is in no way uh, uh, me advocating you as president, and you also don't advocate me (laughs) as, as anything. We are just two women having a conversation that needed to be had. And ironically, when I got all of these questions from everyone and the questions I chose, it ended up being 46 questions, which would be the next question. Ironically. Oh my gosh. I would like to email you my entire list of questions because we don't have enough time for you to get through them all. And there are some very, very good questions that people have. I would like to ask you that if you have time, and I know you have your, your Instagram page, which is official Jade Simmons, but you also have Operation Restoration 2020 on Instagram. That's right. If, That's right. if you are able to grab some of these questions, you do not have to tag me. I don't have to be included. But if you can take some of these questions and answer them yeah. on your social media, it would be greatly appreciated not only by me, but the people that are asking these questions because I do believe that I have a powerful voice and I do believe that I, I want to I want to be able to say I'm voting for you, but I would like for you to answer more of these questions so that I can feel more confident in asking my followers to vote mm. for well. So is wow. that something that you can think about or possibly do? Oh, that's huge. That's huge. Also, we should we should do this again. I mean, I would love to come back and have a part two. I answer as many questions as possible. So I'd love to have you send that my way. Um, I do videos on Instagram and I'll put some of them in the videos as well. Listen, our hope is that people find something they want to vote for. Mm -hmm. But step one is we just ask people to search their own hearts because the systemic heart issue we were talking about doesn't get solved just by whoever you put in office. We got to do that work. And so I just appreciate you, Miko, for doing your own work, doing your due diligence and for daring um, to bring me on. Because in this season, it's a courageous thing. We didn't think it was going to be such a big deal, but it's a courageous thing. So thank you for lending your platform my way. This isn't an, ador- an endorsement, but it's not what we come on for. We come on to have the message heard. And, let, and we trust people to make the decision for themselves. So thank you so much. Thank you as well. Is there anything that you want to say? We're closing out right now. I've already said your social media, if anyone wants to follow. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, this is a crucial season. I'm not going to tell you it's the most important election ever. It's just a crucial season. And people keep asking me, why would you do this right now when it's critical? I'm doing it now because it is critical. And so my challenge to everyone listening is just ask yourself what's the critical thing you need to be doing. Because to get out of the spot we're in now is literally going to take individuals who say, I'm big enough for this moment. And I love that Miko said, I I believe my voice is a powerful one. You darn right it is. And I want all of us to understand how important our voice and our heart 
and our messages in this moment and dare to do it anyway. Dare to do it whether or not you're invited to do it. So thank you for again uh, inviting me uh, to do just that right here. You guys, okay, I hope that you enjoyed that. I know that a lot of you guys gave me questions that I wasn't able to get to and I got a little bit selfish and asked some of the things that I prioritized. But as she said, she will get to some of the other questions that you guys asked. I hope that you guys enjoyed this. If you want to have, ask her any more questions, she seems very open and very honest and, and wants to talk to everyone. So feel free to contact her on her social media or go to her website, um, Operation Restoration 2020. And just, you know, it's just a great feeling for me to know that there's someone else out there. And, and sometimes for me, it's not all about winning and losing. It's about me actually choosing who I choose. I don't want to choose Donald Trump. I don't want to choose um, Biden as well. And so, and I'm not saying I'm choosing her. I'm simply saying that it feels great that I have another choice and I have another candidate that I can do more research on and find out if she is my choice. And, and it is September 11th, so we actually have a little less than two months to do more research and to figure out who we really want to vote for. And if you choose not to vote, that is your right. You have that choice just like everyone else, and I have that choice as well. I just wanted to come on and give you guys another option to the two that we don't like anyway. So I hope you guys appreciated this. We're going to get to the sports as well. The U.S. Open took place, the NBA playoffs, football is back. NHL is back. MLB is cracking. There's so much sports to talk about, but we have to prioritize politics and government because that's actually how we eat. So I hope you guys appreciate this. As always, I love you. Pass my link around to anyone that you think would appreciate this. And I see you guys very soon. Peace. They training officers, the killers, then shooting protesters with these rubber bullets. They regular people. I know that they feel it. These scars too deep, they heal us. What happened to COVID? Nobody remember it. Ain't making sense. I'm just here to vent. It happened to one of your people. It's different. We get it. The system is wicked. Just learn how to pick it. Knowledge is power. I swear I'm a witness. I know that I'm gifted. I won't go too deep because I'm scared they'll get me. Ain't scared to admit it. Some shit I can't mention. It's people who can. Well, here's the chance. I won't take the stand, but I'll take a stand for what I believe. Must not be breathing the air that I breathe. You know that the way that I bleed, you can be. I never been a fan of police, but my neighborhood know I try to keep peace So it's only right that I get in the streets March for a reason, I just on GP How people die for us to be free Fuck do you mean? This was a dream Now we got the power that we need to have They don't want us with it in that